when things do really, really good, I like to pick them apart and go, why? And so today we're going to try to figure out why 132 million people have been watching Squid Game on Netflix. What is fueling the word of mouth? Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. If you want to monetize, I can help you with that as well. I am the author of the book, Profit from Your Podcast. And today, what we're going to do is talk about word of mouth and examine something that's become very, very popular. And before we get to that, I do want to remind you that I do have a coupon code for you. If you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And if you haven't heard about this yet, what we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to tr- do this in a pretty much spoiler-free manner because I just saw this parodied on Saturday Night Live. And so today we're going to talk about Squid Game. And if you haven't heard about Squid Game, I'm going to find that hard to believe at this point. Maybe not because it is super popular. It's on Netflix. So you need Netflix to see it. And again, we're not really talking about the story but why it's popular. I'll, I'll get into a little bit about this, but the biggest reason we're talking about it and the biggest reason that I watched all, I think it's nine episodes, is I had one person say, hey, have you watched Squid Game yet? And I was like, nope. Then I had a second person that said, hey, have you watched Squid Game yet? It's really, man, it'll get you sucked in. And I was like, nope. And then uh, I think the final straw was uh, Scott Johnson from What Was That Like? He said, Dave, You ought to check out Squid Game and then check out like the story behind it. Because if you listen to Scott's show, he has these tremendous stories on his show. What was that like dot com. And so Scott enjoys a good story. And so I started looking into it. It reminded me a little bit of back back in the day when Serial was really popular. Serial was a very, very, very popular kind of kick off the whole true crime kind of genre. And I think I had five people tell me about that. and. According to Jacobs Media, back in 2019, it was their tech survey, it showed that word of mouth was responsible for about 78% of people finding new podcasts, 78%. So that's how I found out about the Squid Game. I had three people say, you should check this out. It's actually pretty cool. And of course, when I'm working with my students at the School of Podcasting, if I'm working with my one-on-one clients... I tell them that word of mouth is absolutely super popular. So if you have a choice of do you want to review an Apple podcast or do you want your audience to share it with a friend, hands down, 78% of the time, I'm going to want them to share it with a friend. Because the other thing is, once I finished this series, actually, once I watched the first episode, I started telling people about it. It was like, wow, is this like unique and creepy and weird and holy cow, you got to see it. So let's start off just a little bit, just a hint of this. Some fun facts. All right. The script was written 
back in 2009. And the person that wrote it had years of attempts, but nobody was going to pick it up. And it actually went 10 years. Netflix finally picked it up two years ago. We'll talk a little bit about that. But here's some fun things. It was the number one spot on Netflix, reaching the milestone after four days. Four days, they release it. That is a boom moment in my world. That is like, boom, everybody is watching it. And it's now being classified as the company's biggest launch ever. It is bloody, by the way. It is way violent. So this is not something you want to watch with your kids, although there's a lot of kids games in it. But it's, uh, yeah, this is not for the kids. And it's also highly, highly addictive and bingeable. So this, is, again, is where I say when people throw out that whole, oh, we have the attention span of a, a goldfish. And I debunked that about, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago. That's actually not true. And if you dig into that, here's one of my things again, where I say people say this is true. And you look into it and somebody's quoting a report from a report that's like, no. And so it's the fact that I don't think we have a short attention span because I watched nine episodes in about a day and a half. So my attention span was fine. I think what has grown, it's not that our attention span has shortened. It's that our ability to spot stuff that's not good has grown. We are much more sensitive to, wow, this is really, really good. So according to the most recent data provided by the Sci-Fi Wire, it said the Squid Game was the number one show in the world, in the world, between September 26th and September 28th, 2021. And on the 28th, it was 89.3 times more in demand than the average series on whatever the heck you're watching. So again, everybody's watching this thing. It's become a global smash hit. As I mentioned, it's Netflix's most watched original show with 132 million people. Can we stop there a second and think about that? Not 132 people, not 132,000 people, 132 million people watched at least two minutes. Now, that's kind of a weird stat, but okay. Uh, that far outstrips, basically, the previous record holder at Netflix, which was weird. It's called Bridgerton which has been seen by 82 million people of which I'm not one of them. I missed the whole Bridgerton. So when I say you probably have heard of squid game, maybe not, I've never heard of Bridgerton. And um, here's the fun thing. Netflix is saying about 95% of squid game. The viewers are outside of South Korea. And that's the other thing that makes you go, wait, what? Yeah, this isn't even in English. It's in Korean and it's been subtitled in 31 languages and dubbed in 13. And this is one of the things when I heard it was dubbed, I was like, oh, I'm not watching that. And I got to say, they did a really good job. This is not a bad Godzilla movie from like 19, whatever, 72, where the person stops talking and their mouth keeps going on for another five seconds. Now, is it super duper precise? No, but it's not. The dubbing is good enough to where it's not super distracting. So the first thing I want to talk about this now, what can we learn as podcasters? What can we learn about um, from Squid Game that we can use in our podcast? And that one, number one, I want to say this loud. I want to say it from the rooftops. And you got to hear this because I, I'm running into more and more people that are spending years. 
not months, not weeks, years working on launching their podcast. And here's the thing I want you to hear. And that is the squid game is not perfect. According to the wall street journal, the way this works is there these people that play the game, they get a business card and on the business card, you actually see a phone number. And unfortunately these phone numbers, even if they're kind of misdialed uh, approximations, they actually belong to people in South Korea. Can you imagine having whatever it was, 132 million people see your phone number? When I grew up, my phone number was one number digit off from the Salvation Army, which is a place here in the U.S. that you can donate. Uh, you know, they ring the bell at uh, Christmas time and they they help the poor and you can donate clothes and things like that. And we got calls all the time. And when I turned into a snarky little 13 year old, I would occasionally they'd be like, hey, do you guys have any new chairs in there? Oh, yeah. Come on down. It was such a little weenie. But uh, we got a lot of phone calls for the Salvation Army. I can only imagine how these poor people in South Korea are having people call them up going, I want to play the game. So it's not perfect. So if you're not releasing your podcast because it's just not quite right. Mm, you can always fix it later, which is what they're trying to do now. Another lesson we can learn is that editing never hurts. That whole thing like, oh, I'm just going to keep it real. Well, you're probably going to keep it real boring in some cases. And editing never hurts. There is a a, a national monument kind of thing. I believe it's in South Dakota. It's called Mount Rushmore. It has four Uh, presidents of the U.S. carved into the side of a mountain. And I always say Mount Rushmore was a bunch of rocks until somebody did some editing. And so editing never hurts. So what kind of editing happened in the Squid Game on Netflix? Well, Netflix bought it two years ago and it went through some kind of primping to become more of a global mega hit. Now, they're not stupid. They knew there was a language barrier and What they did is Netflix emphasized visuals. They outfitted competitors in green tracksuits and they build kind of this colorful set that resembled children's playgrounds. They also did some things with, I guess, the rules for the traditional Korean games were actually simplified or they were altered again for a global audience. So what were these edits based on? Like, why did they do this? Because they knew it was a global audience. And they're like, look, the people in the U.S., the people in India and wherever, they're not going to get all these little details about the game. Now, realize they also knew that if they tweak the games too much, the people in South Korea are like, hey, that's not how you play that. But they did do some editing to get it ready for their target audience, which was, well, everybody, basically. The other thing that I looked at this, I was like, ha, here we go again. Don't you love it when you find things that prove that you might have something right? And in this case, they started strong. So I watched the first episode and the next day I told three people about it. We did an episode about this earlier. I think it was last month about what did you recommend to somebody and why? So why did I recommend this? Because number one, I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next. It was such like, wait, what? What what did I just watch? It's so dark. It's so weird and creepy and unique. And so I realize it's not that unique. You might go, isn't it really just the Hunger Games? And I'm like, eh, 
Kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole, it's a game and people die and that's not a spoiler because everybody knows that. But I think for me, and again, if you're new to the show, I am a white male in my fifties and the South Korean aspect added a, I'm not sure what I'm going to get here because it's a different culture. I was already, I'd never heard of the squid game and there are people probably right now in South Korea going, you never played the squid game. I don't know. But to me, because it was a different culture uh, coming from a completely different place, but I knew red light, green light. And I was just like, wait, I kind of know this, but there's a lot of this. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. So it started very strong. And when that first episode was done, I was like, I am so into episode number two. And this is the thing I want to point out. We're going to get into the, the question of the month. The second episode was the story. And this is a thing that we can learn from. So the first thing we can learn there again, they started very strong they came out of the gate strong. And this is why I typically don't recommend an episode zero where it's just like, Hey, it's me. I'm from Akron, Ohio. And I don't know. I like Cheetos, you know, I don't know. We really need the story. And that's what I loved about this. They did the second episode. They showed people that you can identify with. And this is where I'm going to get to the question of the month in just a second here. You need to be able to identify with the people you are watching or listening to typically. And so the main character is a desperate dad who's easy to root for, right? You you want the underdog to win, but he's by far from perfect. There's actually a heartbreaking episode where his actions lead to a wrenching loss and he's not alone. There are other contestants. There's, there's an elderly man who becomes kind of like this grandfather of the group. There's a North Korean refugee, there's this gangster guy with a snake on his face. So he's the bad boy. There's this super educated dude who was like the pride of his hometown. Like everybody's like, oh, he's so smart. And let's just say he didn't live up to his potential. So in there, there are a lot of people that you can probably go, oh, I, I that's me. That character is me. If you've ever watched This Is Us on NBC, that's another one that on one hand, we can all identify with the family dynamic and how sometimes we don't get along, but then there's this whole thing and, and there's loss and grief and all sorts of stuff that people can identify with that. But I want to point out that remember episode number one came out, grabbed you by the throat and had you telling your friends episode number two was all the backstory so that you then cared about the characters moving forward. And that leads us to the question of the month. And I need this by uh, this Friday, October 22nd. So what is the question of the month? And I realize this is a little different because you kind of just heard me say my side of the story. I don't think we should really lead off with where were you born, things like that. And that's the question of the month. How do you feel about hearing a guest's full story, especially up front? Be sure to mention, of course, your podcast and your website, because I realize that just because that's my opinion, and I think I have things that I go, yep, that makes sense to me. There's probably something I'm missing here because a lot of people do this. And so if you're a person that starts off the show by giving somebody's entire history, I would love to hear your opinion on why do you do that? Why do you think it works? 
And if you're a listener and you listen to podcasts that do that, what does that do for you? Does it help you get sucked into the story? Things like that. It's just a dialogue. There are no right or wrong answers. We're just exploring this on a strategy of like, huh, should we do this in our show? Next month's question is going to be very interesting based on a 10-minute voicemail I got. So if you haven't already, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. It's free and you can follow and subscribe to the show and be part of all these questions of the month. And since we're talking about stories and laying it out and things like that, this would be a good time to remind you that this particular episode is brought to you by the Novel Marketing Podcast. A lot of podcasters plan on writing a book, but they don't know where to start. And our sponsor is here to help. They've got a great five-year plan. It's devoted to helping you develop Olympic levels of writing and marketing. And I've been talking about their 10 commandments of book marketing And commandment number six is you will own your own platform. That's something we've talked about here on the show for podcasters as well. And I know a lot of people are leaving Facebook in droves, but you want to own your own platform. And I realize that Facebook is getting involved right now with podcasting. We might talk about that a little later, all sorts of other things. But in the end, you want to own that domain name. You can get it through places like, you know, Namecheap and GoDaddy and cooler websites and things like that. But you definitely want to start with your own domain. And so for more book promotion and publishing help, listen to the novel marketing podcast in your favorite podcast or just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash author. Or if that doesn't work for you, go to novelmarketing.com. I'll have links to the show notes out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 797 because, well, this is episode 797. If you have any ideas for episode 800, I'd love to hear them. But hey, let's get back to talking about word of mouth and the popularity of the Squid Game. One ingredient that they have in this particular program, Squid Game, I've also seen in shows like Game of Thrones and Son of Anarchy. These are, you know, programs that we've watched. And one of the things they do that you go, wait, what, huh? Is they have characters you can kind of identify with and then they kill them. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. If you remember in sons of anarchy, there was a guy named Opie and it was like the main character's best friend. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen sons of anarchy and the same thing in game of Thrones, they just kept bumping off like major characters. And you're like, wait, how are they going to do the show without you? You can't kill Opie. They killed Opie? Holy cow, they killed Opie. So I think that's one of the things that makes this show popular is that you don't know what's going to happen next. We talked about that on that episode about why do people share. And we talked about Howard Stern, things like that. But here's another one. The marketing arm of this, they didn't even do. This is what I was like, wow, this is when you get people worked up. And that is the fear of missing out, sometimes called FOMO, right? F-O-M-O. They had a large amount of traction on TikTok to where fans of the show were creating memes. And here's the key. They were telling inside jokes. And the only way to get the joke was to watch the show. So all of a sudden, everybody you know on TikTok is throwing up these memes and you're like, what is this squid thing? And then there's another one. What is this? I don't get it. What do you mean? Red light, huh? I don't, what? So there was a huge fear of missing out. 
that was going in. And to me, when I think of the last thing that really got popular because the fear of missing out was Clubhouse. Clubhouse is that social audio program that everybody was like, oh, do you have an invite? I need an invite. I can't get in. And it finally now is open to everybody. And where Squid Game, the number of viewers went up and up and up and up. The more people that got into it, the more people were telling about it. Clubhouse, eh, not exactly the fever pitch that was going on months ago when it first opened. I'll be interested to see what happens to Clubhouse in the the long run. But the one thing that really helped them get popular was the fear of missing out. And again, the uh, I, I mentioned this before that I love the fact that they came out, they grabbed you with that first episode And then the second episode, they gave you the backstories. But the other thing about this is nobody would take a chance on this show. I mentioned that this poor guy that was shopping the script was turned down for a decade, a decade, 10 years. And that's got to be ridiculously hard to just deal with. At one point, uh, it says he was living with his mom and his grandma. And he had to sell his laptop. That does not sound like a party. And so previously, Korean hits on Netflix or really elsewhere and any other kind of outside uh, country, typically they centered on kind of cheesy boy meets girl, fairy tale kind of princess kind of stuff. And that's why they were like, ah, this isn't very, yeah, you know, fairy tale ish. It's it's actually very violent and lots of blood. So it was way and they were like, yeah, we can't. That's that's never going to work. And so do I think Netflix is going to take more chances in the future? They invested about seven hundred million dollars for Korean films and television shows from 2015 to 2020. Uh, that's according to The Wall Street Journal. And it said this year alone, Netflix plans to spend half a billion That, I would say, is called taking a chance. And they said the Squid Game, and I'm not sure exactly how you measure this, uh, according to Bloomberg, will generate just shy of $900 million in value. In value. That's an interesting little phrase there. Because I guess, you know, it's Netflix. I guess they could try to gauge new signups for people or things like that. Or maybe it's people sticking around longer. You know, maybe you can't binge the whole thing in a day and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, it's November. Oh, I got charged again. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, the series, again, was watched by 132 million people. It cost around 2.4 million an episode. That is far less than The Crown and Stranger Things. So, yeah, I think they're definitely going to be taking some chances on some of this stuff. It hit number one in more than 90 countries, including the U.S., And that even really surprised the Netflix executives. And what I want to take away here is sometimes the audience doesn't know what they want until they get it. If you think about Steve Jobs, we weren't sitting around going, I wish I had all of my music in my pocket. We were actually pretty happy with our CDs, which are better than our cassettes, which were better than our eight tracks, which are better than our LPs back in the day with music. Steve Jobs came along with this little thing that looked like a pop tart with a screen and it's got 500 songs on it. You're like, Hey, this is pretty cool. And so I've seen people 
do this sometimes and you're like, I don't think that's going to work until you put it out there. I think my favorite example, I interviewed Hall of Fame podcaster Scott Sigler on episode 133. That is way back in the day on the School of Podcasting. He couldn't get a book deal. He had combined science fiction and horror. And people are like, wait, what? You can do that? And so all the publishers he approached, they're like, yeah, that'll never work, kid. And so he put his book out as a podcast episode after episode. And everyone again told their friends and people were, and I mean, devouring each episode as it was released. And when the podcast was done, he put the book out on Amazon and the people, and this is a key point, who had just received the entire book for free. So they had the book as an audio book. And he said, hey, if you could do me a favor, I'm releasing this book in a printed form on Amazon on this day. If you enjoyed the podcast, if I've given you value, can you give me some value and go buy the book in a printed form, buy one for your friends while you're at it that don't listen to podcasts. And that book shot to number two on Amazon. Now, last week we talked about some of the shenanigans that people do with stats. No, this was legit number two on the front page of Amazon. And it would have been number one, except for this other book you may have heard called Harry Potter. But that's another example of sometimes people don't know what they want until you give it to them. So if you're thinking about doing a podcast and you're like, I don't know, it's kind of a cross between true crime and miracles. I have a friend of mine, Sonny Galt, who is going to do that exact thing. The show is going to be called God of Miracles. And the only way to know if it's going to work, much like a recipe that you see in your kitchen, is to cook it, make it, and feed it to somebody. And so sometimes people go, wait, chocolate in the peanut butter? Yeah, give that a shot. Some other things to think about here about timing. Maybe in some cases, maybe you did a podcast five years ago and it just went, maybe it was just timing. There have been some very famous people that got passed over for, you know, getting promoted or being signed or whatever. The Beatles and Madonna were passed over. Ed Sheeran, if you're not familiar with Ed Sheeran, just ask any 15 year old girl and she will definitely fill you in on that. This guy, multi-million dollar uh, solo artist said he was constantly rejected by record labels as he was slightly chubby and a ginger. That's his words, not mine. I don't know if that's offensive, but, uh, and they said that the fact he was kind of chubby and a ginger wasn't a good marketing tool for them. Uh, the band U2 was wished luck by RSO records, the band Leakin Park. They said they played more than 50 showcases for record labels. And then of course went on to have huge success here, I thought this was interesting. The Wizard of Oz. Who doesn't love The Wizard of Oz? Oh, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, right? Uh, premiered in 1939, and it was deemed a failure by the studio. Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, something when I was a teenager, I went to every, if my, uh, we would take the weekend and go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show in my teen years. That was the thing I did. That was so bad that it was limited to a 10-city release when it opened up back in 1974. It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart, uh, uh, Zuzu, yeah, uh, uh, Mary. What, that basically just tanked. 
And then the, the owners of the movie forgot to renew the copyright or whatever in 1974 and a TV network picked it up because, well, if the copyrights expired, you don't have to pay for it. Yada, yada, yada. The original Willy Wonka back in 1971 was barely profitable. Blade Runner, which is a movie that many have said have inspired other science fiction fiction movies was kind of blah. I mean, the, the list goes on and on office space, American pie. These are movies that are now considered classics. And when they came out was like, meh. I always say that good content has one or more of the following. It makes you laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. Did this one make me laugh? Yeah. As weird as it was at times, it was dark humor, but wow. Did it make me cry? Absolutely. Did it make me think? Yep. The ending makes you think. Uh, laugh, cry, think, grown, educate. Mm, not really. Ah, I learned about some new games. Did it entertain me? It did in the fact that I was like, whoa, what's going to happen next? That's what makes great content. And of course, knowing your audience. So just remember, don't give up. It may take years for your audience to find you. It doesn't have to be perfect. Start with the strongest content you have, and then you can always get into your backstory. I shared a little bit about me today. Tease your next episode and leave them wanting more. Use your audience by giving them materials. Think of your social media, not as like, hey, here's the new episode. Give them something to share on social to inspire their audience to check out your show. And again, be patient, continue to improve your content and inspire and ask your audience to share it with a friend. We have to engage that word of mouth. It is super duper powerful. This is your friendly boost reminder. It's time to boost. 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 Yeah, if you're listening to this on one of the cool apps found at newpodcastapps.com and you feel I gave you value in this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you gave some of that value back. It's time to boost. If you're around October 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, I will be doing a webinar for Libsyn titled Apple Podcast Connect with Dave Jackson, where we're going to talk about best practices for updating your artwork and other podcast information, features within Libsyn to optimize for audience platforms like Apple Podcasts and Apple Reporting and Libsyn Stats. I'll have links out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 797. If you're looking to start a podcast or grow your podcast in 2022, now is a great time to jump in. Again, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And coming in the future, we've got a great episode about your podcast branding, your artwork. Also coming in the future, we always love these. We love gear. I'm going to be comparing the Shure MV7X with the MV7 and then comparing it to what I'm using right now, the Electrovoice RE320. And I'm going to show you how you can use the voice profiler in Hindenburg Journalist. We're going to try to make those two microphones sound like the one I'm using right now. Of course, next week, we'll be talking about the question of the month. And also coming to the question of the month, we're going to be discussing Seriously, let's get like real now. How long does it take to make a podcast episode? You can subscribe or follow, take your pick to the show for free. 
Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Everything else is out out there. My gear reviews, my newsletter, everything you need. It's all there. Schoolofpodcasting.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining me on my mission to rid the world of boring podcasts. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. They already knew there was a potential larrier, larrier, a larrier bandage, yeah, or a language barrier, take your pick, for their target audience. And their target audience was everybody on Netflix. Now, the last, uh, not the last thing.